A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maven, concentrate on Zen. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. Yours is number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 411. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are talking about Haunted. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. We are back into our seasonal Christmas ghost stories yet again, this time looking at something from ITV, and it is a set of two ghost stories from December 1960. 74. They're each about 50 minutes long, in color of course, and they are based on short stories from well-known British authors. They are indeed, and the series of these two plays could be seen as ITV's competitor to the BBC's successful A Ghost Story for Christmas. We'll talk about that when we get to our production notes, but... You can see a certain attraction for seasonal spook stories, certainly in the 70s on British TV. Yes, it does fit within that style for sure. And it has things that are similar to A Ghost Story for Christmas from the BBC. And it has things that are different as well. So that's something we can talk about a bit too. So we're going to turn to the episodes and we're going to, in this first of our episodes, focus on the first story... They are both, as it were, standalone stories from pre-existing short stories. The first tale is called The Ferryman. It's based on a story by none other than Kingsley Amis, and it was first broadcast on December 23rd, 1974 on ITV. It was indeed, and it starred Jeremy Brett who went on to be a highly acclaimed Sherlock Holmes performer on television. Brett stars as Sheridan Owen, who is a successful author of paranormal novels, but is somewhat bored by his success, it seems, and by the book tour he is currently going on, and seems rather disdainful when a fan asks him if he believes in ghosts, if he believes in supernatural natural events and this seems to be a recurring thing for him yes and he dismisses that question in a rather snobbish fashion as it were and as i thought in our notes perhaps because of our familiarity with all those rather stuffy protagonists of the mr james ghost stories we sort of know that once he's turned up his nose at the idea of the supernatural we know he's in for a spooky occurrence of his own don't we brian yes there is definitely something of that theme of a writer in this case often it was an academic in the mr james stories but yes falling into that situation is something that is sort of a theme for a lot of these sorts of stories so he tries to escape what seems to him to be the boredom of his book sign-ins and talks and so on by he and his wife alex played by natasha parry try to get away for a weekend in the country a little bit break for them and unfortunately, on the way, they get sort of caught in an absolutely torrential rainfall. And so with their 
windscreen wipers not particularly working very well. They're forced to seek shelter at a rural pub and hotel. And all seems very well until it's Owen, the writer, starts to notice there are very sort of interesting similarities between this hotel and the setting of his novel called The Ferryman. Yes, absolutely. And the maitre d' and the barman both have the same names as the corresponding characters in his book. And the owner of the pub turns out to have a similar name to the book as well. And he also has a daughter, played by Leslie Dunlop from Redshift, who looks like the corresponding character in the book as well. And Owen tries to convince his skeptical wife that things are unreasonably similar to his book, that this isn't a coincidence that something strange is happening there. So we get the idea that... He is normally the skeptic and maybe she's a bit more of a believer and they have this role reversal when he sees things being so similar to his own book. Yes, and as the sort of coincidences start to pile up, he does seem to become shall we say twitchier and twitchier brian it's it's clearly disturbing him how similar all this is to the story in his book while his wife is dismissing it just as coincidence and we are left to wonder without giving away too many spoilers for this episode we are left to wonder whether he's going to have to endure the same terrifying outcome as the characters from his book all will be revealed within this episode there'll be something strange will happen there'll be even a strange occurrence for his wife as well but that's probably about all we can say about this one brian yeah and that's the first of two that's what it's like but before we go into more with that or into the second one let's get into our production notes so if you've seen the opening titles of haunted you will have seen the very familiar granada tv logo or station ident at the start because Haunted comes from ITV's regional company, Granada. And in fact, it was the brainchild of one of their big producers, a chap called Derek Granger. And Granger was best known for the iconic 1981 production of Evil and Was, Brideshead Revisited. But he had started work on Coronation Street back in 1962 and had a long association with various TV play shows on ITV. Now, by 1974, the BBC had produced three of their Ghost Story for Christmas plays. They were doing one a year each Christmas season. They had already released The Stalls of Barchester and The Warning to the Curious and Lost Hearts. And we know that those shows were very popular. We know that they achieved high ratings, probably higher ratings than you might expect from a standalone late-night uh, ghost story play broadcast at Christmas. And ITV knew about this. They were aware that the BBC had scored a bit of a hit with their Ghost Story for Christmas series or strand. And um, we have to add, of course, that at this time in the 1970s, the early part of the 1970s, this was peak ratings war at Christmas time between BBC and ITV. They were really going at it 
up against each other to try and win the big ratings at this time of the year. Yeah, and there was a common thing that when there was a big success by the BBC or by ITV, there would be a competitor show that would come out from the other network. And these are usually not explicitly stated that way, but you get lots of suggestions and conjectures of things like ITV's the Tomorrow People being a response to Doctor Who, or BBC's Adam Adamant Lives being a response to the Avengers, and so on. Very much so. And you can imagine that the ITV production offices were thinking, well, what can we do to match the BBC with these stories? So Granger decided to turn to two more contemporary authors rather than, you know, the BBC had been doing turn-of-the-century M.R. James stories. So Granger chose stories by Sir Kingsley Amos and by Elizabeth Taylor. That's the author, not the actor. Kingsley Amos lived from 1922 to 1995 and was extremely well known as a novelist and a poet and also as a critic. In 1969, he published The Green Man, which is a supernatural tale set in a rural pub that has the same name somewhere between London and Cambridge. Now, this is an interesting novel, uh, The Green Man. It is a, as you say, Brian, it's a supernatural tale. It was adapted into a BBC TV series later on, and that was in 1919. It starred Albert Finney. And uh, because of its sort of supernatural themes, it is on our possibles list to come up later on on British Invaders. So we we may well get to that in the future. Oh, interesting possibility. It is, yeah. Yes. And of course, it leads to this interesting little story involving Kingsley Amos and his wife um, themselves in that sometime after the novel The Green Man was published, we know that Kingsley Amos and his wife did go away into the country and stay in a country inn. And many of the staff there shared names of characters from The Green Man book. And I know that Kingsley Amis told this as a story on BBC Radio sometime in 1972. I haven't been able to track down the exact date of that broadcast or whether or not it still survives in the archive. But he then wrote it up and published it as a short story, which he called Who or What Was It? Published in Playboy in December 1972 and then subsequently republished or reprinted in The Listener magazine in 1973 and you can find that story in the volume of the you know king's name is complete collected short stories and i must say i've read the story and it would appear that kingsley amos did have a somewhat unusual experience i don't think he had i'm sort of speculating slightly i don't think he had the full supernatural experience that happens in the story but it would seem that both he and his wife experienced some strangeness while staying in this country pub which reminded them of the pub from the green man yeah it does seem like something where you could have an interesting slightly unusual experience and then expand on that to make it more interesting for the fictionalized version indeed yeah and i think that's probably what happened when he wrote it up as a short story so derek granger read the story and handed it to julian bond to adapt 
adapt for the screen. And it was directed by John Irwin, who would go on to direct the BBC's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, the John Le Carre, with Alec Guinness as George Smiley. That was a late 1970s production. And a very successful one, 1979. Yeah, I actually, as I mentioned to you off air, Brian, I'm actually watching the 1979 Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy on BritBox at the moment, and it's fantastic. Yes, it does have a very good reputation. Irwin also did have a successful Hollywood career, directing Hamburger Hill, Raw Deal with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and also one of the two 1991 Robin Hood films. Not the more successful of the two but a Robin Hood film from that point. Yes, the other 1991 Robin Hood movie was directed by John Irwin. Unfortunate timing, I guess, to come out when Kevin Costner's making a blockbuster as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, I've always said that it's time for a new Robin Hood when it's been two years since the last one. But in this case, you had two of them at once. The Ferryman was broadcast on ITV at 9pm on December 23rd, 1974. And I know there was a little bit of question about what time they were going to broadcast it. They had to put it out, obviously, after the nine o'clock watershed. And of course, the the ITV's news at 10, at 10 o'clock, was like an immovable barrier. So this fits in in between them. And of course, December the 23rd, 1974, if you look at the broadcast schedules later that same night, you will have the BBC's own ghost story for Christmas for that year, which was The Treasure of Abbott Thomas, which we've also covered in the past. That was probably a pretty good decision by ITV, because if they had actually put them in the same time slot, the people would have almost certainly gone to the BBC one. But with them at two different times on the same night, with people already thinking about watching this BBC ghost story, watching a second one to see what ITV does is something that you could see people might do. Yeah, so hopefully that worked. We've mentioned briefly that it has a very interesting haunting title logo and music that sort of frames it before it switches to The Ferryman by Kingsley Amis. And we've also mentioned, of course, that there's a second episode, that Derek Granger chose another short story, this time, as you say, Brian, Poor Girl by Elizabeth Taylor, not that one, the author. Yeah, Taylor lived from 1912 to 1975 and was described by Kingsley Amos as one of the best English novelists of the 20th century. So connection there and high praise indeed. The story Poor Girl was originally published in the 1955 collection The Third Ghost Book, which was published by Pan and edited by Cynthia Asquith. And I'll just mention how huge those eclectic ghost story collections and horror story collections were in the mid part of the 20th century particularly from pan publishing but other publishers also get on on the act as well many of those somewhat battered paperbacks are now collector's items brian and they've had famous short stories from a whole host of remarkable writers and here was in 1955 as you say the third ghost book from pan and there is this story interesting that must have been quite the phenomenon with that run of books you will find all sorts of websites and blogs running through all these various collections and the stories 
contained in them. And also the, the rather fabulous and in some places completely lurid cover art that they uh, these books featured as time went on. I suspect in 1955 it wasn't too outrageous, the cover, but they did get rather more sensational in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> yeah, I imagine they did. So, Poor Girl, this story by Elizabeth Taylor is adapted for the screen by Robin Chapman, who had actually, the previous year on the BBC, he'd adapted Lost Hearts, the previous year's ghost story for Christmas. So he knew what he was doing in terms of bringing these ghosty stories to the screen. And we get another director who went on to Hollywood afterwards. We get Michael Apted directing Poor Girl. Uh, He goes on to have a successful Hollywood career. Perhaps most relevant to us and this parish, as it were, is that he directed the 19th Bond film from 1999, The World Is Not Enough, which will at some point in the future, I guess, feature on Hooked on Bond, Brian. Yes, that is the plan. But yeah, Michael Apted certainly went on to do a lot of things as a director. Poor Girl was broadcast on ITV on December 30th, 1974. So just a week after the previous episode. And that was all. They did not continue the series or come back to it in later years. And we'll talk a little bit about that next time, about why perhaps it didn't. It does seem like they were trying to set up a series but just the two episodes. So it's called Haunted. It's from 1974. I will mention that there's another ITV series called Haunted, which was from 1967 and featured Patrick Moa playing a sort of paranormal investigator. And unfortunately, that one doesn't seem to survive in the archive. Otherwise, it would also be on our list of possibles to talk about. But just to avoid confusion, this is the 1974 two-part Haunted two separate standalone ghost stories. Yes, indeed. So let's talk about availability. Nice and straightforward over here in Region 2. There is a network TV release of both episodes on DVD in 2012. Sadly, no extras, which is a bit of a shame. There's a few notes on the cover insert, but that's about it. It's £7 to buy currently, and I cannot find it on any of the rentals, including Cinema Paradiso over here. Not available to stream, as far as I can tell. Just that single DVD for £7. And if we look across the pond to Region 1, Brian? In Region 1, there is no release. As far as I know, there is no distribution of it at all in North America. So you'd be looking for an import for this one. Okay. Both stories, of course, are available. You can find those in collections of Amos's and Elizabeth Taylor's works. Very good. So next time, we're coming back to discuss that second episode, to discuss Poor Girl. We will also muse and wonder why this series did not succeed and go on to come back in in subsequent years. And of course, as ever, we'll get to our own reviews and feelings about this DVD release and whether you should try and get one yourself. Absolutely. Until then, you can find all of our episodes, including lots of Christmas ghost stories in the 400 plus episodes we have at BritishInvaders.com. Or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find us there. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at BritInvadersPod. Yes, do come by the Facebook and let us know what you think. And also find out what the next three shows we're covering are going to be. 
and come to the Voice of Geeks Network at vognetwork.com. British Invaders is a proud member. You'll find some other shows there, including Anime Jam Session and some other podcasts. Come along and join in the fun at vognetwork.com. Absolutely. So thank you for listening. And this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much. Until next time, it's Eamon in England also signing off.